Once upon a time, a single mom who loved her kids decided that she would take them to Disneyland. She lived in a neighboring state. It was about six hours away, so it was a trip that needed to be planned for and saved for. And she did that hard work, got ready, put the kids in the car, and headed off with them to visit the incredible Disneyland. Now, about two hours from home, the kids started to act up. Bit of fighting in the back seat, bit of whining and crying and grumbling. And she did a wonderful thing. This mom found a safe spot to pull her car off the road and park. She got out of the driver's seat, went around to the back seat of the car, and positioned herself between her two children. She took the left hand of one and the right hand of the other, and she pulled them in, and they formed a little trio, and she said, do you guys know where we are going? We're going to Disneyland. It's gonna be awesome. And she proceeded to paint a picture of this experience that they would have together. She said, we're gonna park in a car park that is so big you could put an airplane in that car park. And then we're gonna get out and hike up to the main gate where there'll be lots of people. We'll get our ticket, we'll go in. And Mickey Mouse is gonna be there. He will greet us. We can have our picture taken with him. It'll be so cool. Then we're going to go and we're going to get some cotton candy. Some for you, some for you, some for me. It's the best cotton candy. You will love it. It will make your lips tingle and your toes will giggle. It's so tasty. And then we're going to walk up the street and we'll visit Adventureland. We'll visit Fantasyland. We'll visit Critter Country. We'll spend some time in all those different rides. We're going to have some of the most fun on those rides that flip our tummies and, and, and take us up high and then drop us down low. It's going to be absolutely incredible. We might even ride on the train that goes around the edge of the village and let the, let the wind play with our hair. And just before it gets dark, we're going to walk up Main Street. And do you know what there is in Disneyland? There is a castle that is so beautiful. At night, they put lights on it and it glistens and it sparkles. And then there's an awesome fireworks show. It is so beautiful. We're gonna see it all. And the kids giggled and laughed and leaned in and welcomed the hope and the experience. And then she said, but first, We've got to drive a few more hours, and then we've got to sleep in the hotel, and then tomorrow morning, we wake up and experience all of this. So do you guys think we could have a really good trip? Do you think you could get along? Could we travel well for these next few hours? And the kids agreed that they would. Mom got out of the back seat, back into the driver's seat, pulled back into traffic, and for the next couple of hours, there was singing and then sleeping, and then dreaming, and the kids made a really good run, holding that vision, that hope, that picture in their hearts. We're going to hear some words from the scriptures today, from the book of Revelation, as God speaks hope and promise into our lives as believers. Good morning, New Hope. The reading today is from Revelation chapter 22, 
verses 1 to 7 and 17. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. What an amazing piece of scripture. Wonderful words of encouragement to God's people. And those words are like a love talk from a parent. It's like God coming into our worlds to encourage us. Uh, There are some wrong ways to read these words from the book of Revelation. It's not helpful if you read these words as if they were a marketing brochure. As if you read these words about future promise and eternal hope and kind of evaluate them and weigh them up and think, um, oh, would I like to go there? Does that make sense to me? Do I want to buy a ticket? They're not marketing literature. They're not words that are designed to uh, make us help us make an evaluation. They're words for those that are already on the journey. They're words of encouragement. Another way that's quite unhelpful to read these words is if they were an architect's brief, as if John had received from God a kind of a layout for heaven and we're reading it as architects with all our speculative questions and wondering, well, how does this work? How's the plumbing going to work for this river? How are we going to manage to get all of these elements in place? That's the wrong way to read this literature. It's not a marketing brochure. It's not not an architect's brief. It is a love talk from a parent. It's encouragement for people on the journey. It is as if in the book of Revelation, the angel, the messenger of God, came to John the Apostle at Patmos in his lockdown state, uh, there in his house arrest, and sat with him in the backseat experiences of his life and leaned in taking John the Apostle by one hand and all of his churches by the other, drawing all of us who are a part of God's family today into the conversation and says to us, guys, do you know where we are going? This is literature that comes from the heart of God. It's apocalyptic literature, to give it its technical name. And it's, it's, it's literature that tries to help us to see in, in, in heart-awakening ways where God is leading us. And the angel of the Lord says to John, and through John's letter, we are all leaning in and hearing it together. Guys, do you know where we are going? 
We're going home. We're going to the place of God's promise, the place where our souls will be most deeply satisfied, where our minds and our hearts will be overwhelmed with the truth and the love of God, where our wills will be gathered up into God's perfect purposes, where we will be more satisfied than anything you could imagine. Have a look at this. And then he itemizes a whole bunch of things. Let me name 10 of them quickly. He, he, he names a, a river. He says, in, in this place where we're going, there is a river, which is the water of life, flowing from the very seat of God right down the main street of this new and glorious city. And this, this living water nourishes us and blesses us. It's the most crystal clear, clean water you have ever experienced in your life. He says, have a look at this. There's a tree of life planted by this river on both sides. And, and, and listen to this. This tree of life bears fruit again and again and again, not just in season and out of season. It bears 12 crops a year. Every month, there are new and different fruits on this tree to celebrate. And here's a fourth thing. This tree, its leaves, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. It's, it's, it's a vision of health and promise and blessing for all God's people and for all nations of the world. These leaves can be picked and they bring healing to, to broken and, and sick empires. They bring healing to our minds and to our souls and they renew all things. This is where we're going, guys. This is incredible. And then he continues. He says, there's no... There's no curse here. Oh, we're, we're, back, we're back in Eden with the tree and the curse. We're back at the beginning of the Bible story. And here at this, at this place where we're going, this, as we go home, there is no, there is no brokenness. There is no, no, no condemnation. Things have been healed deeply and profoundly. In this place where we're going, there is the throne of God. God himself sits there, the Lamb. Jesus sits on the throne. The Godhead who is three is present with us and to, to care for us and to reign over this city in which there is no brokenness, no tears, no, no, no sorrow, no pain. And, and do you know what? We will see his face. This was a promise for Jews unbelievable, a promise for the people of God incredible, that we won't just we won't just see his, his glory fading as Moses did on Mount Sinai. We won't just know him through a glass darkly as Paul says to the Corinthians. We're going to see him face to face. We'll see his smile as we've never seen it before. We will see his glory touching our very souls. This is where we're going. And not only will we see his face, he'll write his name on our, on our bodies. He will claim us as his own and put his character and, and, and his, his truth into our lives and we'll be his children in the most remarkable way. And, and listen to this. There won't be any darkness. There will be light all, all day, every day, all, all the time. There won't be any of the hiddenness or the brokenness or the shame or the lostness or the pain uh, nothing of fear, no, nothing that, that, that hides. It, it will be God's glorious, present light shining and warming and blessing us 
all the time. Guys, do you know where we are going? This is how we should read Revelation and particularly the latter chapters. It comes from the heart of God. And it's as if God sent his messenger, his angel, to come into our experience, to sit in the back seat with us as we are traveling through life, you know, about to spit the dummy, feeling the struggles and the pains and the wrestles, thinking as, as we sometimes do. This discipleship journey is, it's, it's wearisome. And the sacrifices to which we are called and the way that we are invited to live and, and, and to embrace a selflessness and to walk through uh, the pains and struggles, like, like really? And it's as if God comes to us, not with an advertising brochure or an architect's brief and says, do you like this? No, no, he, he, he comes with a parent's love and he sits down with us and he says, do you know where you're going? He stirs up our hope. Two things that are distinctive about Christian hope. Christian hope is always broad enough to embrace others as well as ourselves. It's not a hope that, that comes to us and it's just, you know, you're going to win and we won't talk about anybody else. It's always a hope that comes to us with healing for the nations. It's always a, a river of life that everybody is called to come and to drink and to receive. And Christian hope has this beautiful sense of wideness. And the other thing that is so distinct and powerful about Christian hope is that it comes to us from beyond. There's two ways to think about hope. One is very secular and the other is deeply spiritual. The secular way to think about hope is that you, you take your aspirations, you take your capacities, you take the material to hand, and you, you roll up a big ball, if you will, of hopeful things. And then you pitch that into your future and you run towards it. You think about what you'd like to win, what you'd like to gain. You think about your capacities. You talk to yourself and imagine yourself into that future. And you roll up a big bundle of goodness and hope. And you pitch it down the path and you chase it. And this is how many an athlete has won the race, how many an athlete has taken the gold. This is how many a business person has stepped up and, and done really well in achieving wealth and achieving positions, how many a politician has taken to themselves a real significant reputation. It's how many who seek social justice have served other people and engaged in good work by uh, aspiring to good things and gathering up the resources to hand and, 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 and sort of pitching it off into the future. And there's what we need to run to. We, we think and aspire to something great. And that kind of approach to stirring up a hope among us can be very successful. But the Christian view of hope, the, the, the deeply spiritual approach to hope, it doesn't doesn't look at what materials do I have to hand? How can I roll up a bundle of aspirations and chase them? Spiritual hope is about a truth that comes from outside my experience. It is about a, a, a future in God that is promised to me and it, it comes down the road to meet me. This is a hope that I didn't contrive. This is a hope that reaches to me and I respond to it and it fills me with all kinds of resource and, and righteousness and peace and joy 
in the Holy Spirit. A theologian by the name of Jorgen Moltmann reflected on Christian hope. He spent most of his career as a theologian uh, pursuing questions around the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and how instrumental this is, how, how practical this is in helping us to live the Christian life. Uh, Jorgen Moltmann is, is, a, is a German. He fought during the war uh, on the German side. As a young man, he lived in ha Hamburg. He witnessed the destruction of that city through the firestorms. He then joined the war effort and he went to the front in 1945. He was captured and spent three years in, uh, in captivity as a prisoner of war in Belgium and in Scotland. And through that time, all the resources that he would have normally used to create a bundle of hope, aspirations, you know, capacities, gifts to hand, the kind of stuff that you draw together and say, we can do this, all the things that he would normally have used to roll up his hope, pitch it into the future and run towards it, were gone for him. He found himself in a dark and difficult place. But in that time, in captivity, he became a Christian and deepened his convictions around who God is and purposed to study theology and to give himself to a pursuit of God's truth as, as he was released from that captivity. After three years in this uh, situation, he came out more committed than ever to Christian conviction and truth. And this simple idea that the hope that matters most is not the hope that we can conjure up and create and toss into our future and run towards it. The hope that will truly transform is the hope that comes to us from beyond. The hope that is God's gift to us. The hope that is uh, uh, the voice of God and the truth of God and the love of, love of God coming to meet us. This is the hope that matters most profoundly. And this is what's going on in the book of Revelation. The angel of God has come to, to John the apostle. The scriptures preserved by the, by the gift, gift of the Holy Spirit have come to us. And it is God's love talk to us. This is not Christians rolling up a bunch of aspirations and hopes and pitching it into the future and say, well, well, we'll run toward that. This is the spirit of the living God speaking eternal promise into our hearts and lives. And if we open ourselves up to this, there is incredible gift, privilege, hope in this place, resource to walk through these challenging times and resource to shape the commitments of our lives and reshape the disciplines of our lives and focus the purpose of our living. It's as if God came into our experience and wants to sit in the back seat with us and take us by the hand and pull us into a huddle and say, guys, do you know where you're going? You're going home to the place where your soul is most deeply satisfied and where God has prepared for you a place that is so right, your heart will sing with joy for all time. And so how do Christians respond to this? Well, those are the words in the book of Revelation, that very last chapter, those very last pages of the book. We say, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. 
come, come and bring us into this truth. How do we respond together as a community? We look at each other and we say, if that's the future, bring it on. And how do we respond to these promises of God? Well, we say to one another and we say to you, and I invite you today to drink of this living water, to take of this promise and this hope, which is from beyond, which is God's deep, uh, loving, compassionate heart leaning into our world. This is a deeply spiritual kind of hope, and it is on offer for all of us today. Come, come and receive. Come and receive the healing of God. Receive the deeply satisfying, comforting, anxious, uh, uh, abating, and joy-fulfilling experience of God's hope. This is a hope that will run down the road to meet you every morning. This is a hope that will come to you as you invite it and embrace you and take you through the difficult times. This is a hope that was present in Jesus Christ, suffering on the cross, dying for our sins, a hope that burst into new life at his resurrection. And so where is God in our suffering? He's right in the midst of it, suffering with us, beckoning us into his eternal hope. I'd like to finish with prayer. And I'd like to invite you to come and to receive this gift of hope, to open your heart to it, to welcome God's hope into your life, and to drink, as the book of Revelation says, from this river of living water. Would you pray with me? Loving God, today we receive this gift of of a love talk from our Heavenly Father. We thank you that you have chosen to to step into our world and to lean into our lives and to encourage us with such promise and with such vision. Lord, we we want to drink deeply of your living water today. And I pray for any who are listening, for whom the thought that God could come to us from his eternal and heavenly home to die for our sins and to walk with us through the challenge of this season. For any for whom this is an idea that has new promise and new hope, God, I pray. I pray that you would give them courage to drink deeply of these truths and to find other believers and to lean in and to hear the stories of Jesus and to walk in this faith. Lord, we don't want to spend more effort trying to roll up a ball of our own aspirations and throw it into the future and run toward it. We need you to come to us, God. We need you to come to us with comfort and with victory and with hope. We need you to come to us through the power of your Holy Spirit and lead us. So I pray, God, for healing for those who need those leaves from those trees. I pray for deep satisfaction for those who need to experience these living waters. I pray for the light that warms our hearts and guides our steps in this place where there is no night. And I pray that we might know the shining face of your love and that we might experience your name written on our lives as we embrace this journey with you. Come to us, Lord Jesus. Come to us, we pray. In Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.